0: This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is Trevor Keyboom. Trevor, how's it going?
1: It's going, man. Getting ready for the season, so no complaints on my end.
0: Yeah, can you just give us a brief background about yourself?
1: Absolutely. So, so I, uh, out of high school, I uh, committed and signed with Clemson University. was there for two years, didn't really get a chance to play. as I was coming off of one shoulder surgery, and first fall there, I uh, had another shul- shoulder surgery. So that was my second, kind of went into the spring, uh, trying to get back at it to get healthy for the season. Ended up having a, uh, a third surgery after going off to summer ball. Realized that my journey plan playing at Clemson wasn't going to happen. So went to Chattanooga Valley Community College. Uh, in Phoenix City, Alabama, stayed healthy for the whole year, which was kind of my goal. I knew if I was healthy that um, the talent and the numbers would kind of kind of come out and, and speak for themselves. So I was fortunate enough to, to go to the Juco World Series there and play on a really good team for a really good guy, uh, Coach Thomas, and then uh, ended up playing at the University of Georgia for two years. So don't think I would have thought that I was uh, going to be a Bulldog after going to Clemson, but couldn't have been happier and enjoyed my two years at Georgia. Probably more than anywhere. How did how'd you get started playing baseball? I think it's just one of those things where when you grow up, you know, and your, your father playing, and your older brother's playing, that mm-hmm. even though you try other sports, you're around the baseball field more uh, than any other field or any other court or whatever it may be. And it just um, was one of those things where baseball was keen in our family and um, kind of trickled down to my younger brother as well. So uh, it's kind of easy for all of us since we're at the field all the time that baseball is a sport that we chose.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what was the recruiting process like like out of high school? And obviously, I know your brother was already at Clemson. Yeah, so I, it's a lot different now than I think it, it was then.
1: When I graduated high school in 2011, it was very common for guys to start really looking at schools, you know, your junior year and then commit mm-hmm. commit your junior summer going into your senior year. And Now, I think if you don't have an offer of uh, the school you want by yourself and your kids start panicking. But it was pretty quiet. You know, you, you got the phone calls from from the, the schools that were interested, and I think it was July 3rd or 4th was the date they could first contact you, so you kind of sat around, you played, and you waited for that day to come, and mm-hmm. the phone rang, and you, you started to put together your visits, and I went on visits to Tennessee and, and Auburn and Georgia Tech and, and Clemson and, and a couple other schools, and it's really started to narrow it down from the beginning, and I knew a lot about Clemson just because uh, my older brother was there Um, So I was around those guys and that coaching staff a lot. And, you know, the more schools I visited, the more I realized that that was just uh, an easy place and a a place that I felt, you know, most comfortable to to play baseball and and get a degree. And it was kind of the right size. I think at the time that I went there, it was 18,000 students. And it was a really good academic school, the baseball program. Mm -hmm. Didn't really play second fiddle to anybody at the time. Uh, So it mattered. And that's what I was looking for. So it was a pretty easy decision.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I know you mentioned before you were injured a lot and then you transferred. So what was the transferring process like? And, like, did you did you have to sit out a year when you went to Georgia? Because of the, the rules? Are uh, I didn't. So transferring from Clemson to Chattahoochee
1: Valley was probably one of the toughest decisions yeah. I made. Just going from, um, one, it was a decision if I wanted to play baseball, I had to make it. Um, yeah. so it just wasn't an opportunity to play at Clemson with all the injuries and rehab and whatnot. Uh, and at, a, at a program like that, they got to win all the time. So if you're not healthy, and you can't contribute. You know, you're kind of on your way out. Um, but uh, the decision to, to leave, you know, a school and a program like that to, to go to junior college is not one that I think any athlete in that position really ever thinks about. What they're going to have to do because we all sign a letter of intent saying we're going to go there, we're going to play three years, get drafted, and go do our thing in pro ball. But it ended up being one of the best decisions I made. Chris Thomas down there was was one of the best. Uh, you could be around. I don't think that there's another guy that could do what he did um, for us in junior college. Mainly because I think junior college is a a place where guys are going either out of high school because they're not fully developed yet um, and they don't have the opportunities at the bigger schools or, you know, maybe someone messed up you got in trouble in high school or you got in trouble at another school. It's a second chance for some. It's a a first chance or kind of an extension Mm -hmm. of the first chance for a lot of others just kind of develop. And, you know, for me, I was... I didn't get in trouble. You know, I was good enough to go play
0: at Clemson out of high school. It was just one of those, you know, situations where I needed to play every day. Coach Thomas gave me
1: that opportunity. We played on a beautiful field. Phoenix City in itself is probably another story. There's not much there, but we lived in a nice place, and, you know, we ended up being number one in the country for most of the year and going to the World Series. And then, you know, going to Georgia kind of came about because my older brother told me to, to look there. And I, the schools that recruited me out of junior college um, was a little bit different than out of high school because I think, as a college, when you're recruiting out a junior college, you are recruiting for needs, not just for talent. Out of high school, they just go recruit the best players. Out yeah. um, a junior college, it's okay. Hey, what guy do we need to come play right away? So maybe someone's going to get drafted at that school, or they got hurt, or just they have a gap in the recruiting class. So, and I got recruited all kind of all over the map, from you know Kansas State to Oklahoma State to Auburn, just a little bit everywhere. And I didn't really want to go out west and play. Um, with all the surgeries I'd had, I'd actually even consider just just not playing. So my older brother told me to look at the University of Georgia just as a school. Just go there and, and, and be a student, enjoy Athens and you know, you've always played your whole life. Go enjoy being a, a, a normal person. So we met with Coach Strickland. Um we knew some people up at the university who kinda of set that up and um, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to get out of that meeting was just be a student assistant. I didn't want to have to do uh, you know, the laundry and that stuff. Like most managers, I just wanted to fun goes, get around the game, learn the game at that level, um, learn under Coach Strickland. And at the end of the meeting, Coach Strickland was kind of like, Well, she's complete. You know, we don't, we don't have the scholarship money for you, and we thought to get you here was going to take some scholarship money. But if you're willing to come here as a student, then
0: we want you on the team. So it was, more so a preferred walk on, yeah. uh, except for the fact
1: that I was going to get the opportunity to play every day, and I ended up playing every day. So,
0: and how many surgeries did you have? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, so before Georgia, I had four, um, and then after my first year in Georgia, I had two more. I had one on my wrist and, and one on my left shoulder um, that I hurt second week in the season. So um, not ideal, but yeah. you know it is what it is, and everyone goes through their uh, their bumps and bruises. I just probably had a little bit more than the most.
0: Yeah, how, how did you overcome all those? Like, how, what made you motivated to keep on playing baseball?
1: You know, so I always think about that. And I think, one, the people around me mm-hmm. probably made it the easiest. You know, my mom, my dad, um, my younger brothers. you know, mature beyond um, his years. My older brother was as supportive um, as anyone I could have asked for. Uh, and then my friends, um, you know, the rest of my family. And I think I was around the right coaches, too. I think, you know, my trainer at Clemson, Travis Johnston, was as good to me as, as I could have asked for. You know, Coach Thomas down at at Chat Valley, and, you know, my star ball coach, and James Beavers at 18 was really supportive. Uh, and then when I got to Georgia, my relationship with Coach Strickland off the field on the personal side was, was as good as anyone, and I think that helped me a ton. He was as good to me as... As any man I could ask for, as far as how is he treating me as a as a human being, which I don't think you get that a lot at these schools when uh, coaches look at at players and say you, you got to win or you know my job relies on 18 to 22 year olds 20 winning games. Yeah. And when you have a guy like Coach Strickland who looked at me as a human being, you know, off the field and realized that I was going through a lot, that helped a lot. And then my trainer there, uh, both in the weight room and out of the weight room, Brian Kierhart and, and Sean Bolin, probably prolonged my career longer than it than it ever should have been and then obviously our other coaches and Coach Daly were, you know, really good to me on the field that helped a lot. And kinda of knew uh, I was special, not in a special talent type of way, but special in a way that, hey, I can't go out there and throw hundred balls across the infield every day. Or I can't take, you know, three hundred swings every day because my body just can't handle it. So, you know, the combination of my trainers on and off the field, you know, and the coaches and, and my family just it made it it made it easier to realize that you know, to realize the twelve-year-old self in me that listen, I, I play this game because I love it. I realize mm-hmm. I'm not going to get a chance to play at the next level because someone's going to look at my medicals and be like, "You know, our, our insurance probably isn't going to cover you." So uh, uh, it's one of those things where I think I surrounded myself with good enough people that um, made the game enjoyable and made the game fun.
0: And I know you touched on it, but what was your experience like? Your overall experience at Georgia, playing and and being in school.
1: It was the greatest. It's the greatest college town in my opinion, you know, around. I've been to a lot of places. I've been to a lot of football games at a lot of places. I've been to a lot of, you know, I've been on a lot of campuses. I just think the energy at the University of Georgia is that perfect size of, you know, students to to faculty to athletics to nightlife to food to whatever you want to, you know, bring up that matters in college. I think Georgia had it all. I think when you're playing in the SEC – uh, you get to play good teams every single weekend. You know when you're playing midweeks, teams want to beat you. When you travel, you travel nice. You know the gear you get is nice. The, the way you're treated as an athlete in the weight room, outside the weight room, nutritionally is nice. And, and people look at you on campus like you matter. And I think as an athlete, the combination of social life and, and athletics and education um, and people that care about you in every aspect—it's pretty tough to be. And I think that was at Georgia was the perfect combination. And unfortunately, we didn't win as many games as they're winning now, but I think they
0: finally got it going in the right direction where we're able to put all those combinations together. Yeah, sounds sounds like it was awesome. And uh, so you make the transition now from baseball player to baseball manager, I mean baseball agent. So what, what was that like and how did that all come about?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, after my first year at Georgia, um, I thought I was going to be, I should say, after my first after my first fall, I had a lot of interest from a lot of teams and I was draft eligible and I played really well. You know, and I looked into hiring an advisor and started working with the guy. Obviously, as a college player, you can't have an agent, but you can have an advisor where they can give you advice. You just can't negotiate on your
0: behalf. But I was excited. about playing professional baseball for my first year at Georgia. And then second
1: week of the season, I, I take a swing and feel, you know, a little bit of a crunch in my left hand and go to the doctor and, you know, they tell me I got a, you know, a bit of an injury. It's probably going to need surgery at the end of the year. And, you know, a week later, I take a swing and feel my left shoulder come out and, Go see a doctor, and he's like, hey, you're going to need you know, your laboring fixed on your left shoulder, and I've already had my right one fixed three times, so I knew the, the recovery wasn't a three- or four-month recovery. We're looking at eight, nine, ten, you know, 11 months. Yeah. Um, I started to kind of think of baseball's probably not going to work out. I have a hard enough time playing 56 games, you know, let alone getting in the minor leagues and getting over the 100-plus mark. So I started to kind of think you know, what I wanted to do uh, by staying in the game, but I was also in, you know, the business school at the University of Georgia, so how do I use you know all this money my parents are spending on my education, and the fact that I'm in such a great business school to put that to use, and you know the combination of my knowledge in baseball, my relationships in baseball, plus my interest in the, the business side of things, kind of just worked worked itself out, and it was a perfect storm. And I started working with a guy named Keith Grinwald mm-hmm. uh, at the time, who I, I currently still work with, and he's kind of been my mentor, and uh, he's been perfect for me in the fact that he lets me he lets me do my own thing questions me he questions he doesn't question my intentions. he wants me to think and he always wants me to learn. So he's done a very good job in challenging me uh, like I said in a positive way where I'm always trying to learn. he never questions any you know moves I make. just hey I want to know why you're doing it. this is why I'm doing this. and kind of work with each other really well to, to learn and keep building this business.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and what's a what's a process like uh, scouting a player, and then like scouting him from scouting him to like talking to him, and then like actually signing him. Right, right. So it's it's a it's a little
1: more difficult, I think, scouting a player
0: than I than I originally imagined because yeah.
1: I had such an inside access to so many players that when people ask me about players, I was like, well, I really like them for this, this, and this because I knew them so well on a personal side, and you kind of see in their head a little bit. But I think on, on this side of the wall it's a little tough because you don't know what's going on in a player's mind, yeah. right? So, you know, you can look at their social media, you can talk to them, you can do whatever you want, and you just never really know uh, until you spend hours on hours on hours and days on end with them, what's going on, and you don't know if, if would drive what drives him. Is it his family? Is, does he play the game because he, he's good? Does he play the game uh, because he loves it? Uh, does he play the game because he sees a paycheck at the end of the you know the tunnel. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: the hardest part for me is finding out what's going on inside of a kid, an athlete's mind. So I think it's easy to show up to a field and see, okay, well that kid's good, or that kid has a chance, or they're really like a swing, whatever it may be. But um, I think what really separates a lot of these professional athletes is their ability um, to handle success as, as well as handle failure. And um, until you know what's going on in a player's mind, uh, you know success or failure um, is handled differently by every every athlete. Bad and different. Some guys don't know how to handle success, some guys don't know how to handle failure, and vice versa. So, yeah. um, you know, once I figure that out, then I think I'll be pretty good at this whole uh, being an agent thing. But um, that's that's been the toughest part for me is
0: it's really figuring out um, what pushes some of these players. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I say that that probably that's probably the hardest part.
1: It's, uh, it's not easy, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there, and the better relationships I have with these guys, and the more players that we have. There's turnover every year, but you add a couple and, you know, you lose a couple with retiring and injuries and whatnot. You know, you start to use those guys and those guys realize they're in a locker room with other players that have agents and they hear all the complaints, the good, bad, and indifferent. I like to think that a lot of them come back like, hey, man, you do a really good job and they want to help us. You know, when you have guys that you work for them, yet they want to help you and work for you a little bit and, you know, kind of give back. Um, it helps because it gives you a, a little bit more of an inside look into players.
0: Yeah, definitely. And now I know it's February, and it sounds weird, but it's baseball season now for college scouting, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's kind
1: of always it's always baseball season for yeah. us as far as scouting because you know the, the cycle never ends with high school and summer ball yeah. and professional ball and college or whatever it may be. Um, those guys are playing all the time. So uh, the cycles more go uh, for us. It's, you know, you're watching and scouting and then you're recruiting. And, you know, some periods may be a little bit more heavy with communication with teams, whereas some may be a little bit more heavy uh, with recruiting of players. But in, in any situation, you know, you're, you're always watching, you're always listening, and you're always looking for, for a guy that fits you. And not every guy fits us, and we don't fit every guy. I think, you know, our brand is, is a little bit different than most. We're not out, we're not out to, to sign 15, 20 guys per draft and, and hope that two or three of them
0: know, work out. We're hoping to get four or five guys for a draft that fit us. You mm-hmm. know, maybe
1: even less than that, and then hopefully those guys work out. You know, we're really investing back in our players to hope that um, all of them work out. And you know, that's not going to be the case. But mm-hmm. we like to think that if we're casting a little bit, you know, a net on a uh, on a more educated group of guys um, and a little bit smaller a group of guys um and by educated i don't mean the actual player themselves being educated but just educated in our recruiting process that we're gonna have a higher percentage of players work out uh, i know baseball is a game of failure but i like to think that with the information we have on guys and the relationships we have that you know if we get
0: three or four guys we can hopefully get three or four guys to work out yeah definitely now are you are you scouting more college players or more high school players or both yeah i think it's, every season is going to be different yeah. um just kind of depends on that
1: cycle and um, I live in Georgia myself so uh, I have no problem going to the surrounding states uh, to recruit you know younger guys but um, you know if I don't feel like the the class is that strong in the state of Georgia or the state of South Carolina or Tennessee or Alabama whatever it may be we we go to college guys a year or maybe we work on a couple pro guys that are unhappy with their current representation and see you know if maybe we're fit for them so um. Every every season is different. Every month is different. It just kind of depends on the, the talent that year.
0: And now you're in a unique position since you're uh, you're your brother's agents, right?
1: Yeah. So I work with Keith, uh, the guy. I work with Keith Grunwald, um, was representing uh, my older brother, yep. um, Spencer, when he was drafted out of Clemson, and then started working with Carter. He was 17, and then I just kind of came in, and there's a seamless transition. Obviously, with with them being family, yeah. um, and Keith Keith already working with them and i uh, started working for keith that I, I let keith do some of the heavy lifting with those guys because i know spencer and, and carter really trust and respect him and he's been doing this for 20 years and represented hall of famers and first round picks, silver sluggers whatever it may be kind of that perfect combination for us where um i call him the old man but you know old and young where i got a very personal relationship with a lot of guys and yeah. the guys respect him they also have very good relationship with him but respect him in the fact that He's worked in this industry for 20 years and, and seen everything. So there's not a thing that one of our players can um, can come across that he or myself hasn't experienced. So it's kind of a perfect combination for us.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think it's also unique and just to just to have that whole family concept. And then, like, I see you were working out with them and stuff like that. And uh, even just having three brothers that were D1, right? I mean, it's,
1: Carter was committed to Clemson, obviously, but not. Uh, he didn't. He did go there. He was taking He was 28th pick and, nice. and out of high school. But um, yeah, working with them, uh, it's a blast. It's. I wouldn't even say it has trials or tribulations. It's. It's always fun. We're always learning. They're both very educated in, in the game of baseball and, and what the Players Association is doing. So I think they ask all the right questions. But I think working with family or for family. Uh, people always say that can never work, right? Never work with family,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: we, we, we've had a blast doing it. I think they respect what I do. They know I work extremely hard for them, and I, and I know what they do on, on a day-in, day-out basis. And, you know, I always tell people, like, listen, you, you can work for family without being related, right? Blood makes you related, but loyalty makes you family. So, I like to think that there's a, there's a lot of guys I work with that, you know, I, I basically consider family. Um, the conversations we have, and the experiences we have together—you know—there's stuff that you share with family. So my brothers have made it very, very easy for me to work for them, and um, I enjoy it every day. Yeah,
0: it's awesome. And w- what are your goals for uh,
1: 2019? You know, 2019—I like to see some of our guys make a jump. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we have we have a couple younger guys who who are kind of high prospects. Who were paid some money out of the draft who have a chance to to really make a name for themselves, and I think really jump and. My jump, I don't necessarily mean levels, you know, from A-ball to big leagues or double A's to big leagues, but I think just kind of grow as a player and really learn, and instead of constantly tinkering with stuff and working with stuff, really just hone in on what they're doing and believe in what they're doing, and I think they'll see themselves make that step, and, you know, for us as a group, you know, I think, if, you know, we can add, we got a couple guys in this draft who I think have a chance to, to go pretty high, and mm-hmm. um, for us just continue to establish, you know, our name and our business, and, you know, what we do is the, we're doing it the right way. I think we have the, the right players um, for us that, that believe in what we're doing. And, you know, for me, just, just want to continue to grow in, in the right areas. Not grow by numbers, but grow by, you know, grow organically, grow within, you know, our guys that we have just keep getting better. Um, so for me, that's, I just like to continue to see growth. There's not really a, a number of guys I'd like to see make the big leagues or stay in the
0: big leagues or whatever it may be, just continue to grow and get better yeah for sure you you ready for some fun questions let's go all right so what what is what's one thing that people might not know about you man i I think most of
1: my friends probably know everything about me but i dual citizenship with the netherlands i think that's the one thing that nobody really knows and always surprises people that our family my dad grew up in europe and, and moved over to the united states when you know as a little bit older teenager but um our family is dual citizenship with the netherlands and my brothers can play with uh with the Dutch for
0: the World Baseball Classic so I think that's always a, a cool thing that people don't know necessarily now yeah 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 that is cool I think what's the next World Baseball Classic next year 2020
1: yeah well it's going oh. into the Olympics so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with the World Baseball Classic and the Olympics
0: yeah, and yeah. you know what, what these countries decide to do and uh, I know
1: if you're in the US it's pretty easy to send the best college you know players over there and you probably have a pretty good chance to compete um, but I know that a lot of these countries, it's, it's an extreme honor, and it's an extreme honor for the guys in the U.S. to play for, you know, the national team, but yeah. it'll be interesting to see what, you know, what Major League Baseball does and, you know, the the leagues in Japan and Korea and what they do with, with their players, because obviously there's, there's a lot of pride in playing for the U.S. or the DR or Puerto Rico, Japan, you know, et cetera. so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I know that. Whatever does happen, I, I can imagine Spencer and Carter will both will both get a phone call from from the uh, Kingdom of the Netherlands to see what's going on.
0: Yeah, for sure. They were they were stacked last baseball classic too. Yeah, the,
1: the last couple they've been yeah. they've been really good, and obviously they have Curacao. it's a uh, it's part of the, the Kingdom of the Netherlands, so um, you know Angelton Simmons and Jerkson Profar, and you have all these guys that can flat out play.
0: Yeah, definitely. How how often do you go there?
1: Yeah, we don't go over a ton. Um, right. Unfortunately, our, our grandma, my dad's mom, isn't doing tremendous. Uh, but, you know, we love her very much. And my older brother and I got a chance to go over there in November November, and see her and, and kind of walk around and see my dad's sister. And Carter got a chance to go over in January with my dad. And we hope that we get to do it all again this offseason. So we hope she's mm-hmm. she gets better and uh, we get to do that. But uh, we've been over there a couple times, but... It's not exactly something that we have a uh, ton of time for to yeah. to knock out a week or two over
0: there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, how about this? Can you give me your top five favorite baseball players of all time? Top
1: five favorite baseball players of all time. Well, I think I'd be remiss, or I would uh, probably catch some flack if I didn't say Spencer and Carter are up there. <laughs> but, but but growing up, yeah. growing up, we'll put we'll put Spencer and Carter at one and two. You can put them whatever order you want to.
0: I'm yeah, yeah, no, I'm no, I not, order, gonna, no I'm, not
1: gonna I'm not going to designate one as one and <laughs> one as two. Um, but you know, growing up, I really loved watching uh, Nomar. Um, Nomar yeah. Garciaparra was always my guy that I watched and always tried to emulate when I played. And I wore number five, and I loved the the batting glove thing and his little um, pre at bat <laughs> ritual. Um, and as I got older, uh, I really started to as I started to understand you know, how difficult this game was. I think Derek Jeter was a guy that I started to really respect with how he handled New York, especially once I got into this industry, you know, I I realized how difficult it is on these athletes
0: and to, to see what Derek Jeter
1: did and has done and continues to do on and off the field is as impressive as it gets for me. Um, those were, those were really two, you know, the two guys, Ken Griffey Jr. I absolutely loved, always played this video game on N64. Um, (laughs) I think it was what Ken Griffey Jr. baseball or like yes. 1998 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, Ken Griffey just kind of always had that swag and something that drew you to him. Had that smile, that sweet stroke, yes. played the game the right way. But after that, that's it. I got those guys and the the clients I work with. You know, I love watching day in and day out. And you know, the fact that I know some of these guys so well, you know, you start to you start to really pull for them. Not only you know. Because you're you're attached to them in the business have but you know how much they put in you, you know, on the personal side. You know, we got a couple guys like Alex B's and, and Richard Lovelady. Um, you Yeah, know, I can go on and on and on uh, about guys that I, that I work with. That I've seen them make so many jumps, and um, I get excited watching those guys. And so those guys should be in the big leagues pretty soon. So all that you know, the the rest of our clients at, at Vanguard can round out the top, the top, whatever. <laughs>
0: all right, I'll take you, I like that. I like that plug. And uh, what about if you had had to choose one food to eat for the rest of your life every day, what would it be?
1: (laughs) If I get to pick the quality of this food, it's going to be a steak. I I could eat a good steak, you know, for every meal. Um, And you can mix it up, right? You can go very by and strip and and filet and wagyu (laughs) and whatever you want. So we'll go with steak as the generic, but a lot of my friends will probably tell you that I could eat buffalo chicken pizza from Mellow mushroom uh, for for every meal. That's... Oh, that, that, that seals it for me. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever been out to Mastros uh, Steakhouse on Arizona or California. I think they got one in Florida as well, but they got a butter cake yeah. that is one of the most incredible things you could ever you could ever put in your mouth. It's it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, going back to the Buffalo chicken pizza. So I was having a debate with my friends. Do you get it with r- red sauce on it or just plain? Like just with the cheese and so the. So I, I don't. Yeah, I
1: don't think, I saw that when you put that up, but I don't think Mellow Mushroom puts a sauce on it. I think they do the buffalo and ranch swirls yeah. on it, and that is their sauce. Yeah, true. I don't think I would like it with red sauce, to be honest. I, you
0: know, the <laughs> cheese, the the crust, and,
1: and the buffalo swirl with the, you know, ranch or blue cheese swirl, whatever you prefer. But, you know, have you ever had Mellow Mushroom? It's, so their pizza, they do, like, with onions and,
0: and bacon and chicken, obviously, the buffalo and ranch. It's, it's pretty good, pretty tough to beat. Well, well, when you come up around here near Connecticut, you have to try. we got we got some of the best pizzas in the world. I'm the a US. big fan of uh, Dave Portnoy and what he's doing with the yeah, worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows the rules. So, yeah.
1: um, there's, there's a lot of places up when I go up to the northeast. Um, I'm going to have to try and just download that app and, and yeah. go around and <laughs> see if the scores he's giving
0: are really, uh, really accurate. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I appreciate you coming on, and could you uh, let the people know where they could uh, follow you on social media? Yeah,
1: so I, I'm pretty sure I'm just Trevor Keeboom straight up on, on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm not sure there are as many Trevor Keebooms out there. <laughs> I think our last name is pretty unique, so if you search Keeboom, you'll really find one of us. If you find one of us, you'll find all three of us, so you know, it's pretty easy to find.
0: All right, appreciate you coming on. Thanks, brother.